Chapter Sixteen of Whispering Smith by Frank Spearman. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Sixteen, at the Wickiup. Two nights later, Whispering Smith rode into Medicine Bend. I've been up around William's cash, he said, answering McLeod's greeting as he entered the upstairs office. How goes it? He was in his riding rig, just as he had come from a late supper. When he asked for news, McLeod told him the story of the trouble with Lance Dunning over the survey, and added that he had referred the matter to Glover. He told then of his unpleasant surprise when riding home afterward. Yes, asserted Smith, looking with feverish interest at McLeod's head. I heard about it. That's odd, for I haven't said a word about the matter to anybody but Marion Sinclair, and you haven't seen her. I heard up the country. It's a great luck that he missed you. Who missed me? The man that was after you. The bullet went through my hat. Let me see the hat. McLeod produced it. It was a heavy, broad-brimmed Stetson, with a bullet hole cut cleanly through the front and the back of the crown. Smith made McLeod put the hat on and describe his position when the shot was fired. McLeod stood up, and whispering Smith eyed him and put questions. "'What do you think of it?' asked McLeod when he had done. Smith leaned forward on the table and pushed McLeod's hat toward him as if the incident were closed. "'There's no question in my mind, and there never has been, but that Stetson puts up the best hat worn on the range.' McLeod raised his eyebrows. "'Why, thank you. Your conclusion clears things so. After you speak, a man has nothing to do but guess.' but by heaven george exclaimed smith speaking with unaccustomed fervor miss dixie dunning is a hummer isn't she that child will have the whole range going in another year to think of her standing up and lashing her cousin in that way when he was browbeaten a railroad man where did you hear about that the whole crawling stone country is talking about it you never told me you had a misunderstanding with dixie dunning at marion's loosen up i will loosen up in the way you do what scared me most gordon was waiting for the second shot why didn't he fire again doubtless he thought he had you the first time any man big enough to start after you is not used to shooting twice at two hundred and fifty yards he probably thought you were falling out of the saddle and it was dark i can account for everything but your reaching the pass so late how did you spend all your time between the ranch and the foothills? McLeod saw there was no escape from telling of his meeting with Dixie Dunning, of her warning, and of his ride to the gate with her. Every point brought a suppressed exclamation from Whispering Smith. So she gave you your life, he mused. Good for her. If you had got into the pass on time, you could not have got away. The cards were stacked for you. He overestimated you a little, George, just a little. Good men make mistakes. The sport of circumstances that we are. The sport of circumstances. Now tell me how you heard so much about it, Gordon, and where. Through a friend, but forget it. Do you know who shot at me? Yes, I think I do, too. I think it was the fellow that shot so well with the rifle at the barbecue. What was his name? He was working for Sinclair, and perhaps is yet. You mean Seagrew, the Montana cowboy. No, you're wrong. Seagrew is a man-killer, but a square one. How do you know? 
I'll tell you sometime. But this was not Seagrew. One of Dunning's men, was it? Stormy Goldman? No, no, a very different sort. Storm is a windbag. The man that is after you is in town at this minute, and he's come to stay until he finishes his job. The devil! That's what makes your eyes so bright, is it? Do you know him? I've seen him. You may see him yourself if you want to. I'd like nothing better. When? Tonight? In thirty minutes. McCloud closed his desk. There was a rap at the door. That must be Kennedy, said Smith. I haven't seen him, but I sent word for him to meet me here. The door opened, and Kennedy entered the room. Sit down, Farrell, said Whispering Smith easily. B. Gates. How's that? B. Gates says. Don't pretend you can't make out my German. He's trying to let on he's not a Dutchman, observed Whispering Smith to McLeod. You wouldn't believe it, but I can remember when Farrell wore wooden shoes and lighted his pipe with a candle. He sleeps under a feather bed yet. Dusang is in town, Farrell. Dusang echoed the tall man with mild interest as he picked up a ruler and, throwing his leg on the edge of the table, looked cheerful. How long has Dusang been in town? Visiting friends or doing business? He's after your superintendent. He's been here since four o'clock, I reckon, and I've ridden a hard road today to get in in time to talk it over with him. Want to go? Kennedy slapped his leg with the ruler. I always want to go, don't I? Farrell, if you hadn't been a railroad man, you would have made a great undertaker, do you know that? Kennedy, slapping his leg, showed his ivory teeth. You have such an instinct for funerals, added Whispering Smith. Now, Smith, well... "'Who are we waiting for? I'm ready,' said Kennedy, taking out his revolver and examining it. McCloud put on his new hat and asked if he should take a gun. "'You're really accompanying me as my guest, George,' exclaimed Whispering Smith reproachfully. "'Won't it be fun to shove this man right under Dusang's nose and make him bat his eyes?' he added to Kennedy. "'Well, put one in your pocket, if you like, George.' "'Provided you have one that will go off when sufficiently urged.' McCloud opened the drawer of the table and took from it a revolver. Whispering Smith reached out his hand for the gun, examined it, and handed it back. "'You don't like it?' Smith smiled a sickly approbation. "'A forty-five gun with a thirty-eight bore, George. A little light for shock. A little light.' A bullet is intended to knock a man down, not necessarily to kill him, but, if possible, to keep him from killing you. Never mind. We all have our fads. Come on. At the foot of the stairs, Whispering Smith stopped. Now, I don't know where we shall find this man, but we'll try the three horses. As they started down the street, McLeod took the inside of the sidewalk. But Smith dropped behind and brought McLeod into the middle. They failed to find Dusang at the three horses, and, leaving, started to round up the street. They visited many places, but each was entered in the same way. Kennedy sauntered in first and moved slowly ahead. He was to step aside only in case he saw Dusang. McLeod, in every instance, followed him, with Whispering Smith just behind, amiably surprised. They spent an hour in and out of the front street resorts, but their search was fruitless. 
"'You're sure he's in town?' asked Kennedy. The three men stood deliberating in the shadow of a side street. "'Sure,' answered Whispering Smith. "'Of course, if he turns the trick, he wants to get away quietly. He's lying low. Who is that, Farrell?' A man passing out of the shadow of a shade tree was crossing Fort Street a hundred yards away. "'It looks like our party,' whispered Kennedy. "'No, stop a bit.' They drew back into the shadow. "'That is de Sang,' said Kennedy. "'I know his hobble.'" End of chapter 16